Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you are listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. Welcome in to episode 95 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside... Jeff Kolath. And thanks for joining us as we take our uh, semi, I don't even know, journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. And um, this week we are doing some uh, some like recent recent content. We did a Milwaukee uh, show last time. What's, what's going on, Jeff? We're doing, it's all current events here. The Blues well, But it's also like we haven't followed through on everything we said we were going to do. We were going to do two of Milwaukee episodes. We ended, only did one. We uh, thanks to everybody who tuned into our live set break where you actually got to see our faces. Um, we had a whole thing prepared for that. We didn't finish that. But, the uh, band took the short took the shortest set break in the last I twelve swear years. To God, I, that was the shortest set break I've ever been a part of. I mean, easily. I remember sit. I remember set breaks that lasted close to an hour before. Yeah. for sure, forty five minutes. And that one was like thirty two minutes. That is so crazy, so crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was. Um, we uh, talked. We had a, a an inc- uh, incomplete Lakefront Arena top ten. Um, which we could share at some point if we wanted, but I think we should just get to our Halloween hot takes because some good shows and there's a lot to talk. There's a lot to talk about, and yeah. I would say the overwhelming majority of it is really is is good, really good as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. I I watched all of. I mean, I also feel like I've been paying the price. Not after, you know, we went through a World Series where every game went until midnight. And then immediately <laughs> after that, I'm staying up until one o'clock listening to uh, to Panic live stream. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, watch, watch the stream on Thursday night. Uh, I had to work uh, high school football Friday. So I, I caught the second set on Friday night and then um, listened to almost all of Saturday night in real time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, no, I, I was all into it. Um, and I do want to, well, let's do it right now while I, well, before we just dive straight in, um, there's lots of big happenings, uh, in, in the Osiris media, uh, family. And I just want oh. to share it. Cause there's, I mean, it's like really big stuff. So, um, first is a special five episode series. Uh, chronicling the uh, 20th anniversary of Fish's Big Cypress Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, if you recall that, that was the New Year's 99. Well, you were down there for that, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Actually, okay. um, I helped set up, helped tear down. Um, okay. I there a few so. extra nights. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really great. It was, uh, I almost, uh, that's when I almost joined the crew, actually. <laughs> so that was, you know, obviously a big deal, uh, watershed moment in the band's history. And so they've got a sort of a, a, a podcast documentary series on that narrated by Jesse Jarno, 
and including interviews with uh, Trey Anastasio and John Fishman, um, John Paluska and Brad Sands and other folks involved. So um, I think it's going to be a really cool, uh, really cool um, segment. I'm into those kind of uh, miniseries, podcast miniseries type things where you just tell a story in a short, you know, short window. So uh, check that out. That is coming out. Um, really soon. I wish I had the date. Um, I'm not finding it, but it's like November 12th or something, I think is when it's going to come out. So check that out. Um, additionally, uh, let me see. Okay, here we go. I found my little, my talking, my talking uh, points here now. Um, and then another thing they're doing is a thing called jam just happened. And it is going to be the, uh, the sort of a combination of a podcast and live music experience. Uh, so the first one is going to be December 6th in New York City featuring um, Scott Metzger, uh, Adam Chase on drums, Aaron Magner on keyboards, and Jay White on bass. And um, they're going to create something entirely unique for a small audience, and there will be a podcast companion released after the show. And it's going to be emceed by Tom Marshall. So. That's really kind of cool, I think. Um, so those are two big things that are happening in uh, in Osiris, in the Osiris world. So uh, the least of which is is these two guys talking about panic at Halloween, which is momentous in its own right. Well, when does your new uh, Billy Strings Sergio Simpson podcast drop? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, soon. I think. Are you? Do I need to find? I need to find a, a different co-host. So. Probably, probably. I mean, are you going on Sturgill tour? I trust. I I may see three shows on that tour. Wow. Um, so they, he's playing at the beginning of the tour in Lexington and the end of the tour in Louisville, which is pretty cool that you can like see two shows but have them separated by two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the middle of it, he's going to be in DC the same time that, that I'll be in DC, like right around when panic usually plays in DC. Nice. Um, so I might try to check that show out at the Anthem, which will be a little more of a, um, intimate venue than, yeah. than Rupp Arena or, or the Yum Center. So yeah. And then I got my, uh, got my Billy strings tickets this morning for the show in Lexington. He's playing one show in Lexington and then two shows in Louisville at Headliners, which sold out. Those shows sold out in 20 minutes. Jesus. The Headliner shows sold out two shows at Headliners in 20 minutes. Um, last I checked, there were still tickets available in Lexington, but um, well, definitely. Big times. So, yeah. um, and are all blowing up, Harvey. I know, yeah. And uh, Sturgill tickets go on sale this week with different various pre-sales and stuff, but I think the public on sale is on Friday, so. Um, based on when you hear this, get on it for that. I don't, I don't think that, I mean, they're playing big venues for that. Are, so I'm, not, yeah. I'm not thinking they're going to sell. I mean, they may sell out a few here and there, but uh, I, you might I'm, sell out in, you might sell out in Lexington or Louisville because he's a Kentucky boy, I guess, but yeah, he's, playing, yeah. he's playing the Landers center, which is just across the border down in uh, South Haven. Um, we'll go to that. We'll give it a, we'll give it a shot. Um, cool. But uh, the um, yeah, I, like I said, I think I don't know if we talked about it. We also just talked about it online. I was offline. I was really surprised about the venues that he's playing. I guess I had no idea that he could draw that big. But I also think Tyler Childers is a pretty big draw in his own mm-hmm. right now nowadays mm-hmm. too, with more of yeah. the 
you know, I guess mainstream alt country Americana yeah. audience since Sturgill yeah. record, new record is such a departure from the huge. So, um, but I hope I, with, especially with the record and the whole concept behind it, it should be a pretty kick-ass stage show, hopefully. I would think. Um, and it is kind of interesting that, you know, like what is now, what is now sort of mainstream alternative country is like what Sturgill was doing five years ago. Yes, exactly. So he, yeah, I mean, he is literally was, yeah. ahead of the curve on everything. They're all caught up to him. Um, it's so, I mean, this could be its own podcast, frankly, but it's so interesting to me to watch the world respond to where I think some of us were with, Jason Isbell and Sturgill and some of these other guys, you know, again, five, six and with Isbell like 10 years ago. Um, Cause I think, you know, for a handful of us, we always thought Jason Isbell was great. We always thought his songs were great. Um, and now it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. And it's gratifying. I mean, and he's, it's fantastic to see the success that he's had. And, and but it also results in, um, you know, people like Taylor Swift talking about you on The Voice, too. Like, it happened with, right. Jason, with Jason last week. So, yeah, uh, it's got to be yeah, totally, totally surreal for him in some ways. Yeah, like one of the guys saying, cover me up, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, it was interesting to see those people, like, going crazy. And it's like, do they, I mean, do they, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a cover, but it's like, yeah. do they realize that, like, the original's really good, too? <laughs> you know, it's uh, not, not like just this guy's killing it, but, you know. You know, they reissued um, the four, first 400-unit record and Here We Fall um, this couple a couple weeks ago, I guess, with, you know, colored vinyl and stuff. And I just got them the other day, and I was looking at them the other night. And it's like the picture on the back of the 400-unit record is when he's still so doughy and puffy. Oh, and yeah. And he's smoking yeah. a cigarette. <laughs> And then here we got record. He's a little thinner, but he's still smoking a cigarette. And now he's like, right. you know, like a rock god. Like he's all fit and shit. So yeah, um, <laughs> he, had, he had the dad bod before he became a dad. So right, but uh, no, I mean it's it's interesting to see all this stuff is sort of broken, you know, and country country music and country radio sort of stuck its claws into some of these folks and stuck its claws into Chris Stapleton and some of these other, other cats, you know, for, for some time, but they've never, and they've, they've nominated Jason for things, but they've never invited him to perform on any of their award shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, all that's just super interesting to me. And I know it's sort of far afield what we're talking about, but it's also just, you know, when that, these bands, it's just so interesting to me when these band, you know, these bands have moments or have a moment, and a lot of you know, Panic sort of had their moment, but their moment was like the moment where they could have gone more mainstream, and they didn't. And Dave Matthews had it, and then like stayed in it, so to speak, and grew within that that mainstream thing. Um, and all it's a lot of these bands that started in the '90s, but I think you're starting to see it again with both bands of a similar, you know, ethos in a lot of ways. Avid Brothers, Avid Brothers certainly found their, found where they were and have, right. and have grown extensively within that, within yeah. their world, so within that world. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it, it's a, it's a related conversation to, you know, the themes of the podcast in general. Just, you know, I mean, if you look at, like you said, how panic is, 
their business model, so to speak, you know, is and and attitudes towards um, success and and those things I think are are very similar to to the things that that Sturgill and, and Jason have embraced, you know, they're very much doing what they want to do. I mean, Jason obviously is a little bit more, it's, it's so always surprising to me to see where he plays shows because he could do the Sturgill tour, I think, mm-hmm. where he could play arenas or smaller arenas. And he has done some, and obviously he's done some sheds and stuff, but he still plays like these tiny in compared to, you know, the bigger venues he played, these small places and he kind of just plays where he wants. And Tedeschi Trucks does the same thing too. You know, they, they have sort of big anchor gigs in a lot of places, but they play a lot of weird places. You know, they're playing in Prestonburg, Kentucky in February. Um, yeah. They're playing in Cleveland, Mississippi in a week, um, you know, around larger dates. And yeah, one of the things I was going to say is, and maybe I'm, we'll segue in talking about this run is that, you can't honestly say in all of 2019 that Panic has played a clunker of a show. No. Like, just like a show. And again, we wax poetic about days of yore, you know, 95, 96, 97, 98, 2000. Like, we talk about those shows a lot. And we love, the, we love that band. We love those shows. But there's some shows where they're definitely not on their game. And part of that is just because the rigors of touring and, you know, on the fourth night of a four night run or four nights on one night off, four nights on and living a lot harder than probably what they do now. And all of that stuff kind of rolls into it. And it's one of those things that the myopia of the dead of deadheads and the dead fans to the, I, it's basically one of those things. I start a conversation with somebody who loves the dead. If they can't, if they can't admit, but I, I'll make some grandia, I'll make some sort of hyperbolic, or not even hyperbolic. Thing. I'll, I'll have a hot take about, yeah, the dead really sucks sometimes, or some sometimes. No, I won't say that, but you know what I mean. And if somebody responds like, "Oh, they never sucked," or "They were always amazing," like, okay, well, there's no, we can't have a conversation about this. <laughs> and with panic, it's like it's. I think you and I have both been very realistic about how good they were. That's why we appreciate the nineties so much because every night wasn't perfect. So that the night when it, when nights, when it was perfect, it's like, Holy shit, this stuff's amazing. But listening to 2019 and I've listened to 2010, 2019 more than any other year since Jimmy joined the band. And part of that's just be, and part of that is because it's because of his gold guitar and it's because yeah. <laughs> and simply it's just because of, like in these shows, are a really good example. I mean, find a flaw. Like I, can, I have a, I have some hot takes about the the performance piece on Halloween, but I did. If we were to come back and did our done our live hot takes after Halloween, I would say something totally different than what I'll say tonight about it. Um, oh, no. But it's like everything is. Pl- I mean, I love the fact that they played all originals from the Mikey era this past weekend. That's a a really cool thing to do. The covers they chose were great, both the new ones and the more traditional covers. And like find a, find, find a bad song, a, in a, a, in a performance of an original song that you think was subpar this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to find. I mean, there's really not many, 
There are not many cluckers in and there. It's, and uh, even even song choice, yeah, the performance, exactly. you know, either either. I mean, there's not even like you can, there's not even some of shit to bitch about. Like there's they didn't play Dying Man. Like they didn't play any of it. They, every original they played, like yeah, that makes sense there. Yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like it works well. Um, so like setless construction is so good. The flow of the shows are so good. They had good people. They had you know the right guests on the right stuff. And then they just honestly just killed the originals. Like the, I think you tweeted something about what's better than a disco opener. It's like a disco diner opener. Like go back and listen to that. It's just, it's, I mean, I won't say it's flawless, but it's just, it's just solid. It is not well executed. Well executed, start to finish. And it's just sort of, I think, Again, I'll stop my little soliloquy here by saying what I what I just said is I think important for this whole podcast, which is the reason why we hold the original band in such high regard, is because we glom on to these special moments, and those are the moments that we hold very dear, near and dear to us, and that's why this whole process has been special for us because we're out, we're finding more of those. You know, we go back and we find shows that we haven't listened to in a long time, or we still find stuff we have never listened to, but. During that process, you're like, this isn't worth talking about. This is, I mean, there's things that are funny and things that are ridiculous, but there's also things that are just like, that show wasn't good. And the band would admit that it's not good. But I bet you, if you ask the band honestly right now, well, most musicians are always going to be into whatever they're doing at a present at the present time. Um, I mean, one of the things that happens with us at the museum a lot is we talk to musicians who have been in the game for 40, 50, or sometimes 60 years. And I have all these questions about what they did, but they want to talk about what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and I think of, you know, panic, I think, and, and after this weekend, they have every right to want to talk about what they're doing because it's good. And, and it, and it's, there's the performances and the the dedication to what they're doing and the crispness and I think there's a lot of reasons for it. But I will stop talking now. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. Man, I was hoping for some like hot negative hot takes. So it doesn't sound like I'm going to get many. Oh, of those we'll, we'll talk about the encore from the first night, <laughs> and then and then we'll uh, and we'll move on from there. All right. So um, let's get it. Let's get into the music and um, just a note of a note of warning. We're, we're going to do it a slightly different format this week and so you know please so maybe provide some feedback on what you guys on what you guys think of of this we're gonna kind of just run through the shows and i think we're gonna drop some music in uh here and there but but not necessarily full you know multi-song segments so um and you know maybe that'll end up making the show less than three hours long (laughs) Oh, you, still need to so, work. you still need to work in breaks for us to refill drinks, Harvey. I think that's an important yeah, part of this. Right, right. So, um, all right. So let's uh, let's get things started. We start on on Halloween night, um, which is not the first time that that's happened. Um, you know, it seems traditionally they sort of build up to Halloween, but they've definitely had some some three night runs where they start uh, with the with the the night itself, and uh, so big expectations with, you know, with that coming in. And, um, I, I mean, I'm sure that it's happened, but I mean, have, have there been instances of opening a show with, a like a pretty major guest like that? I can, I mean, I said something about that on the night of, and I, I mean, I didn't go, I didn't go back and look it up and I didn't call the intern to do it, but, um, 
I, I can't think of one. I mean, I mean, I can think like maybe drum, like I know, I think like Counting Butu, yeah, like a drums like, thing, you know, maybe, but John, or maybe John Keane or something. But like, no, uh, well, I wouldn't even count John Keane as like a guest. Right, so right, speak. right. No, I agree. Like, I mean, uh, and it, definitely like David Black. I know David Blackman. I think they opened yeah. in '95. And, Sid- with Blackman. and Sitinski, yeah. um stuff. But yeah, so those don't count. But it's like special guests, yes. you know. Um, I don't. I can't recall one, and. um so that was a welcome uh, visit, I think, from from uh, George mm-hmm. GPJ, and uh, he, you know, he said a few uh, a few appearances with the band, um, you know, more in the recent years. the The first uh, the first time was in 1998 in Crested Butte, but then not again until 2014 at the. Uh, in Putacana. So he did, uh, did that run in, in 14 and 15, 17, 18 and 19 in Mexico. And then uh, this past jazz fest and then this show here. Um, and, uh, but th- these were great choices. And I mean, I don't know, I haven't gone back to look and see like what he is specifically performed on, but like definitely nothing quite this, like essentially New Orleans, you know, just like, old school meters meters tracks you know not it's not a just because my baby ain't no use it's a chicken strut hey bucky way <laughs> you know i don't know any other way to put it it's just like such a perfect way to start a show and kind of surprised they had never done chicken strut because of you know jb's affinity for chickens but um <laughs> such a such a great way to start and george is you know so much fun and um yeah, I just, I mean, coming from, you know, the, the first time, uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a New Orleans native, so so it's a, it's a place that's near and dear to my heart. And the first time I saw the band, well, I guess not, the first Halloween show in Lakefront, there was a lot of anticipation for, uh, you know, nods to the city, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a meter song, Dr. John song or, you know, Red Beans or Long Hair, or, you know, whatever. And we didn't get any of it in 97. I mean, I think the closest thing to, I mean, we didn't get fish water. The closest thing was like Gradle, you know, where they talk about like, you know, Hurricane Painter Mans and, and that's it. And so uh, to come kind of full circle and like fully embrace the, uh, the party vibe of the city, um, I just thought this was just a perfect open.
So there's just something about that uh, that New Orleans style music that that gets you down deep in your soul. Is that is that just me, or is everybody feels that too? I think it's I think it's pretty universal. Even a even a even a, a cheesehead from Wisconsin, uh, or yeah. the keeper of the keeper of the Memphis Soul Flame, so to speak. <laughs> so um, um, no, I so, mean it, it was it was really good. And George Porter is, is it's was great to have him there. George matters. So George matters. Um, so great first set, and then uh, you know they kick off the second set. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I, it feels like as sure as anything is with these Halloween runs, generally second set opener is, is some, some heat fire. You know what I mean? It seems mm-hmm. like generally they, they come out out of the set break guns blazing. Um, and so I have to say, I was a little, a little surprised that, you know, that they, it was all originals, you know? And so it was almost like, yeah, to do Parsons and then they'll do something or then they do the surprise jam Arlene surprise, which is fantastic. And then they'll do something, but it, it sort of never came. Right. Um, and so, but again, I, I, you go back to, to early, early Halloweens as much fun, you know, as those, those covers are that there often wasn't more than, you know, three or four songs in the Halloween show that were, that were quote unquote bust outs. Um, you know, and by the end of this night, you, you know, you had what, two, five, you know, nine asterisk, um, bust outs, probably more like seven really, but still, um, so, so yeah, that was a little, a little surprising. The, the, the other thing that, that I love and, um, we'll play a little bit of the, So there are a couple of things about this Mike Mills guest appearance that, that I, that I really, really liked. One is, um, and these are in no particular order because they're both <laughs> they're both great. One is I love Mike Mills, and I mean some of my favorite REM songs are the songs that he either sings or is like a major vocalist in, and um, and I've always felt like he was completely underutilized whenever Panic brought him out in the past. That he just you know, I guess I feel like he, he's only ever played keyboards maybe. And I don't even know that he's maybe he's contributed some vocals, but it never was like, obviously Mike Mills. And, um, whereas I think this run or this night, you got a really nice taste of what, of what Mike Mills can bring to the, to the stage.
did you did you get that sense or yeah i mean i think he's He's the he's the right guy to add. Uh, I mean, obvious, obvious pick given the theme for the night, but I think just the right pick to add for some of these songs because I think just um, he's a Mike Mills is a nice is a, he's a nice guitar player, so he plays you know nice songs well, so to speak. Um, but I think he was great. He was the other guitar on at one of the other guitars on the encore, which was. Uh, was something you know dirty. So, so <laughs> that was so that was one thing, and then the other thing that I that I always really, I don't know if I appreciated maybe in the moment, but now looking back on, um, one of my sort of favorite parts of Halloween was like them playing a cover that I kind of knew but didn't really know, and like a, a lot of people in the crowd knew, but then a lot of people didn't know, and so it was just. It's, this weird kind of feeling of excitement and, and, and sort of building energy as people started to figure it out. And then other people are just like, kind of like dancing along and trying to pretend like they know the song, but they don't really. And um, there were a couple of those, like, I didn't know this Lou Reed song, uh, but mm-hmm. it seemed really familiar, you know? Um, and, and the more I listened to it, it's like, Oh yeah, no, I, I think I know that song. But in a moment, it's in, I was com- just like, it's in a commercial that's on TV now too. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I don't watch yeah. TV, so I don't know, but, no. um, and the same with the, like the chicken strut, like I knew chick, I mean, I knew chicken strut, but I was like, I didn't really know. I was like, what's the name of that? I mean, I know that's a meter song. What's the name of that? And then, and then they started doing the chicken thing. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's chicken strut. But you know, that, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just always really like that feeling of the, um, the familiar song, you know, as opposed to, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess those other moments are great too. When it's a, you know, sympathy or a sweet leaf or something like that. Those are a lot of fun too, but mm-hmm. I always appreciated the, the sort of uh, introductory covers songs that you didn't really know. Yeah. And I don't think anybody was expecting like obscure Andy Kaufman live performances from the mid covers of obscure Andy Kaufman live performances from the midnight special. Um, so, like you got with the first encore song. Yeah. So, um, so looking back at the, at the set list structure, obviously the, you know, Starman, man on the moon porch song makes perfect sense, uh, as they, mm-hmm. as they closed out that set and it's sort of, you know, obviously I think it was, you know, about a song in, well, even I think when Mills came out, you're like, ah, they're probably going to play man on the moon. And then when they play Starman, I was like, yeah, they're definitely going to play man on the moon. <laughs> But, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't think about port song until they played it. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, that's perfect. So, um, that was a great, I think, closer. And then I, I have to say, so, um, something tells me that we may have, have some disagreement on this encore, but I will say since, so that show is Thursday, right? And as we record that it's Monday, um, mm-hmm. I've watched the video of that encore at least four times. I, sing like I have, I trusted you in my head almost on a constant loop. And also I've been singing like out loud to random people. Tacos are cheap. Pizza is expensive. Just, you know, are you saying you've never done that before? You've never (laughs) done tacos are cheap, but pizza is expensive before. I mean, I I I don't believe that. I think I, I I really don't believe that. (laughs) I think I have, but maybe not quite to this extent. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess, 
I don't know. Where do you want to go with this? I mean, I think part of it, I think if anybody's listening that hasn't watched the video and they haven't released the official, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't, you know, put out the, the, you know, the pro shot video of this encore just so people can see it. Should we, should I walk, should I walk everybody through what, you know, visually what happened? Because I do feel like that, that it gives a lot more um, perspective to, to what you're hearing. If you can, have a sense for what was was happening on stage. I mean, that's up to you. I haven't watched it, um, okay. and so I will go at it. I, I, I come at this strictly from what I what my ears heard. Okay. Well, why don't you? How about you? You give us your hot take, and then I'll explain what happened, and then I'll see if if any of your opinions change. I'll give you the hot take. Go feed the baby, and then come back. Okay. And then you'll still be expounding on its brilliance. Um, <laughs> No, I think it, you texted me at like during the encore and I believe said, I think I can't, I should look at the timestamp, but I left the phone in the other part of the room is uh, I will never listen to, I won't listen to this audio ever or something like that. Um, I said that? Yeah, you did actually. Oh, wow. huh. Well, I, that's incorrect being, because I have listened to the audio a few times. Unless you're being sarcastic, Harvey. No, I think um, I think what I was saying was like, this is fun, but I don't know that this is something I'm going to go back to and listen. Oh, I know. I knew yeah. that's what you meant. Right, right. But then you said you've watched it a bunch of times and that you've listened to it a bunch of times. So clearly yeah. that's changed. So uh-huh. here's the thing. It was very much something that when you heard it, it was, I didn't know what the I trusted you thing was. And then when they announced Tony Clifton was coming out, like I, I, I knew that gimmick, but I didn't know the I trusted you thing. Um, the I trusted you thing is really great, by the way. I love the riff. And Jules oh was awesome. So it was very cool. Um, but when with the whole Tony Clifton heckler, like when you're just listening to it, you couldn't, you could figure out what was going on. But of course, my love of professional wrestling, like you sort of figured it was a work and and the whole thing and then musically it was was it the best thing that panic has ever done no but concept wise was it right up there definitely um and i don't know the line of the whole thing is is jojo as tony clifton saying oh it's red panic they got a couple songs i like i like tacos are cheap or whatever he said and then they started playing tacos which is which is at the end of the day pretty awesome i mean that song is such throw is such a throwaway but it is, that was hilarious. And then the scuffle and then the show ends and then the band following up with the tweet and like what they posted on the website. It's like, okay, that was pretty cool. And, you know, maybe, just maybe they were inspired by the uh, the awesomeness that was Fish's Halloween last year where they, you know, created a band from scratch and then speeded the internet with information about the band. So maybe they drew a little inspiration from that and added a little bit more performance art to their, uh, to their set this year, as opposed to just doing straight covers. So all in all, I got to say first for initial hot take different than what I say now, very cool, super enjoyable, but definitely something that best experienced there and not at home, which is the way it's supposed to be. So tip of the cap to you, widespread panic. I would say um, that was definitely their best sort of concept execution. And I would say if, if the, uh, I don't even, what's the name of the band, the Norwegian prog rock band that 
that fish created that cast Ca- vaxxed or something cast like that. Voxed. Yeah. Um, if, if that is, you know, uh, essential fish, then Andy Kaufman is essential panic. You know what I mean? It's almost <laughs> like, you know, Castworth Voxed is to fish as Andy Kaufman is to panic. And they're, you know, it's just such a perfect, uh, duo, I think. And, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, so, you know, if you haven't seen it, um, and Jeff, if you want to go feed the baby, I'll, I'll just, I'll describe the scene and then, and then I'll, and I'll toss it to some music and then we can come back Great. and wrap it up. Give me a few minutes. I'll, um, be, I'll be back. <laughs> uh, so, so they start off with, um, with the band sort of trading places, right? So first you see, um, Dwayne is, is stage what is that stage left? I guess school side uh, with the bass on and Sonny is behind the kit and everybody else is sort of in their regular place. And schools is just got a mic in his hand and kind of walking around and they start. And he says, you know, he tells Dwayne just to, to kick it or whatever. And they, they drop into that groove the I trusted you groove, which uh, I do want to have a conversation with Jeff about whether that is a song that, that should remain in the, in the rotation or not. But um, they drop into that, which is such a great groove and school's just walking around the stage yelling, I trusted you. And then walking up to, he walked up to, to Jimmy and, you know, it was like telling everybody how great a guitar player was and then like cut him off, you know, in the middle of a solo with the, I trusted you bit. And then he walks up to Mike Mills and he's like, do you want to sing it? And then he's like, walks off singing, I trusted you. And uh, it was, it was just funny. It was just funny. And, um, so they do that and then, uh, and they slow it down and they do, uh, and so also for perspective, if you don't know, that was, uh, if you look, I, we tweeted it, uh, I think last Friday, there's a video on YouTube of, of, uh, Andy Kaufman doing the, I trusted you bit. Um, <laughs> just, just hilarious. And then, uh, and then they do this friendly world, which is another song that Andy performed. Uh, I think it was originally, um, uh, Fabian was the original performer, uh, back in what, 1959 did this friendly world. So then Andy Kaufman did it as well. So that was a nice quiet, uh, sort of JB Mike Mills duet, which is, uh, really nice. And then, um, and then apparently at that point, uh, Jojo, or, or maybe did he leave? Let's see, because I think uh, Everyday Companion has it. And uh, props to, I mean, if you talk about a complicated set list to to annotate uh, and do properly, uh, mad props to um, to the folks at the Everyday Companion because they nailed it. Um, they, you know, every asterisk in the right place, every arrow in the right place, and. Uh, nothing unnecessary or, or over necessary. But, um, so I think it looks like, um, they have here, I guess maybe the entire encore Jojo was not on keyboard. So they have Paul Agostino who is uh Jojo's, uh, keyboard tech, um, on keyboards, the entire encore. So I guess at that point, Jojo is off, off stage, uh, getting into his Tony Clifton get up, and uh, so after this friendly world, JB starts to introduce uh, Tony Clifton, which, you know, uh, 
if you're a, if you're an expert in Andy Kaufman, you would have expected that maybe Tony Clifton would make an appearance. Uh, maybe not to the extent that he did that he did, but you know, to some extent. And uh, so JB starts it, and then then Steve Lopez comes out, interrupts him, uh, tells everybody to, to to put out their smoking implements, and then uh, and then then. Tony Clifton, as played by Jojo Herman, comes out and uh, and they kick into uh, Valare, and uh, you know, I it was a pretty spot on Tony Clifton impersonation, I have to say, and he managed to to make fun of uh, his his keyboard tech and you know to himself maybe a little bit. Jojo doesn't show up to to rehearsal, and then um, and then yeah, as as uh, as Jeff mentioned, he says, uh, you know, the girl starts heckling him from the stage. And, um, and so, uh, Tony Clifton says, uh, but I guess you want a widespread motherfucking panic. Well, they got, they got one song that I kind of like. Oh, top songs are cheap, but pizza is you know, a classic Michael Nichols song. Uh, and I mean, I knew it was super rare, but looking at it, I, I was, I was really surprised to realize that it had only ever been played twice before, uh, both in the summer of 1995, uh, first, uh, the ranch bowl, which is a crazy show on August 1st, 1995. Uh, and then the second time at Tad Smith at Ole Miss, uh, September 22nd, 1995, which makes sense. Cause uh, Michael Nichols is a, is an Oxford Mississippi guy. So, um, so yeah. And so then the show ends with the, the sort of scuffle, uh, Tony Clifton throws a piece of pizza and yells, you know, take that cowgirl. And, uh, and then the girl, you know, and there's, there's a scuffle and the band has to leave the stage and everybody's, you know, sort of punked at that point, which was, just perfect. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, let you listen to a little bit of this, uh, uh, performance art encore. Yeah. 
Okay, so night two, uh, after the the uh, the fallout from the first night, the the tweet that the band sent out after the show apologizing for for what happened on stage, um, they come out and um, and get back to their regular shenanigans, and um, you know we, we talk about big sandwiches. Um, you got you got a pretty big one here in the first set, a big big old double decker deal. Yeah, I mean, definitely the uh, the bow-legged chili, split chili, split bow-legged. Um, really good, the return of entering a black hole backwards. Yeah, bringing it back uh, For in. the first time in, in uh, five years, over five and a half years. Um, yeah, I think this is, you know, I think one of the things that struck me about uh, this set when I was listening to it, aside from the bow-legged chili split, was visiting day. How again? A song that when we were when we were going to see shows back in the day, that's when the song that they were just starting to work out. Mm-hmm. I don't. You're not a big fan of Visiting Day, if I recall. No, I mean I, I'm fine with it, but yeah, no, it wasn't my You're favorite. Fine. But uh, people singing along to Visiting Day because there's a line about getting high or something, yeah, which is really high. Yeah, um, and then people cheering for "You Got Yours." That never happened. Yeah. <laughs> And Hauser's in the band. I mean, whatever. I like that song, yeah. but I knew a bunch of people that loathed that song and were not never happy to hear it. And now it's like they play it on they play it Halloween weekend, and people go, oh, yours. "It's just yeah. that just cracks." That me is up. a funny observation, uh, and and I do think I feel like uh, there's a few uh, Hauser songs that I feel like JB has kind of grown into a little bit, and I think that's yeah. one of them. And the band is, yep. I think you know, their exploration with that song has gotten, you know, interesting, probably more so than, than the original, you know, lineup. They rarely did much of anything with that song besides just a straightforward, um, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's to me, it, it was, it was a song that when it was placed appropriately in the set, meaning if it's a hot, if it's a hot second set, and that song's in there, it's not, I don't, I never felt like it would kill the momentum right. because they'll play it to the level that, they were playing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but if it were like the fifth song of a nine song 
first nine song first set in some random place on a Wednesday night on a fall tour, pretty safe bet you're going to get the the regular old six and a half minute version. And it's like, hey, right. tepid, te- tepid <laughs> clapping. Um, and it, so, yeah. So let me ask you this. Does, does having like, uh, pauses in the middle of the sandwich lessen the 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 power of the sandwich. You know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah. generally when you talk about a you know a sandwich is sort of a sweet, right? And you're you know mm-hmm. it's all self contained, and you're you're doing exploration inside the the song, and then to to stop and start playing another song is. Mm-hmm. No, or am I, is that picky? Is that, am I getting? No, I mean, it's, I was just, sorry, I was just thinking about, we said, said exploration. I was starting thinking of spinal tap, but um, what would the tap think of this? I think it's still cool. And I think if I were there and in the moment, I would have thought it was awesome. Yeah, but, no, we wouldn't yeah, I know. Yeah. I wouldn't, I feel I'm like, not complaining, right. but I agree that it loses its oomph. Yeah. Like a bow-legged chili say a bow-legged chili you got yours black old chili bow-legged would probably be like well that's that's some shit right like that's pretty that's pretty good here it was sort of and plus you throw in a little lily and a visiting day and a walk-in and a christmas katie and it sort of takes away from mm-hmm. what's on the outside yeah. um, in my opinion right. and i could use any number of sandwich analogies right. but i tend to leave those to you due to your former role as a uh, um, employee of mr goodsense back in the day right um <laughs> So anyway, so that that was a nice sandwich, even if it wasn't maybe fully self-contained. Um, mm-hmm. They start at the second set, uh, Disco Diner, uh, which is just, you know, that is a, among my favorite one-two combos that the band uh, can do. My all-time favorite, I think, is the, well, there's a couple. Probably my top two would be the uh, New Year's 95, Making Georgia, Disco mm-hmm. Diner, and then... Um, the, the Red Rocks 96, uh, 53196 is a great disco diner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I, when I was listening to this, uh, I didn't listen to the first set live. I listened to the second set. And when I was listening to the diner, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to describe why I'm okay with this band now. And when you weren't a, a year and a half. I wasn't when we start. Yeah, when we started this, and I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think part of it is, I mean, honestly, Jimmy's grown on me. He's playing more with more restraint, and frankly, playing better and eliminating the wanking and the excessive excessive note notes that drove me crazy. The rest of the band is just is is you know is again is good and sometimes great, but. I mean, I think a lot of it is, it's, I think we've kind of hinted at this before and it's something I never really thought of until for some reason, this disco diner blackout and some other moments during this run made me appreciate how much Dwayne trucks has brought to this uh, band. Yeah. He just does more stuff. Like it's a very simple thing, but it's like Todd did the same thing. Like, over and over and over again in terms of what he was playing, how he was playing, and like on and on and on. And like it happened so often. And yeah, him and Sonny had good interplay and he was fine, but Dwayne just does more. And I think he's just much more in the pocket, which I, th- I think he's, 
he's a better fit for Jimmy as a guitar player. And I think he's mm. a better fit, honestly, for what JB and schools are trying to do too, which, you know, they're doing a lot of the same things that they've always done, but they've changed too. And they've evolved and they want to do different things. And like he listened to some of the stuff school, like a lot of the school stuff on bass this run. And I mean, the mix is so, I mean, somebody said turn JB up during the first, the first set of, Halloween, but like schools is so forward in the mix. And so I think he's even playing much more off of, of, of Dwayne who seems to find the sort of find the pocket and yeah. stays in the pocket and stays in the groove and the fills aren't as obvious and predictable. Um, and I think the transitions between the songs like disco and diner and transitions within the song itself, especially on diner and the jam and stuff is like, there's really interesting things happening. And I think the band's sort of feeding off that. So it's just like, he does, he's, there's one, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a musician. No, no. I, I think it's, it's in some ways you want your drummer to be somewhat predictable mm-hmm. so that you, so that you know kind of what you're doing. Right. But at the same time, um, you also want him to push. And I don't think you could ever accuse Todd Nance of pushing anybody especially over the last few years, as much as Dwayne is pushing the others in the band. No, I think, well, I think the point that you made about um, Jimmy and Dwayne being probably a better combo. Um, and I, I would maybe argue that, well, I mean, we don't know, but I mean, I feel like that Todd was a really good drummer for Mikey, you know, like the, he, he would be able to build those jams and sort of um, handle those, those changes, not to Dwayne camp, but you know, I mean, I felt like those guys were, were pretty much in lockstep. Um, and, uh, but I, but I definitely could see where, um, where Dwayne is more of a, of a Jimmy type drummer. And that's probably, you know, best for the whole band, right? If that's <laughs> Jimmy yeah. the guitar player, then, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is like, this is just, it's, it's so funny because the band, JB and again, schools and Jojo are such three outsized personalities in terms of who they are, but also how they play and, and what they contribute to the band. And they all do such great things, but even this is a, still a guitar band. This is still the lead guitarist band. This is the thing that you are drawn to. It's the thing that drives it over the top. It's the thing that pushes it in the direction that you either like or don't like, whatever it might, whatever the case may be. And yeah, I think you're right. It's sort of like you, they had to find a drummer and they had to find somebody that's going to be able to push Jimmy and that Jimmy's comfortable with. And I think they, you're totally right. They found that with Dwayne. So yeah. it was, um, it's again, it's not, it's not if, and I think everybody else has responded in kind. I mean, you listen to these shows. I mean, JB sounds amazing. Like he just sounds, yeah. he just does not sound like somebody who's his age. I mean, he sounded worse in 1994 than he does now. <laughs> Well, and I mean, I really, and I've said this, I think several times, but I, I think that the, the touring schedule has been more of a benefit to JB than anybody else in the band. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he just sounds so much better and, you know, doesn't struggle nearly as much as he, I felt like he did even two or three years ago mm-hmm. um, to try to keep up and that he can really, he's, he's, he's found his spot in some of the songs that he doesn't quite have what he used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways with those Mikey songs that I, you know, I think he sort of found a comfortable spot there and then uh, yeah. And then I think he's able to do more than he could when he was doing, you know, a hundred shows a year. So. Yeah. I, and I think it's a, um, and, you know, you have this, 
if you can work, if you can work half time and make the same amount of money as working full time, why would you ever work full time? I mean, yeah. I think they're they're doing okay, right? Like they yeah. they found they found the groove and they're happy with it, and they play in places they want to play with in front of audiences that want to come see them. So yeah, uh, and I you know I was talking about this with a friend of mine about you know their new sort of touring strategy, and I want to know when the three night run at the Palace in Louisville is coming because I feel like it it, it needs to come. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they it's just it's been a while since they've been there, and it feels like a kind of place where they could. You know, they could sell out three shows, no problem, the, on a weekend. Does so. the Blue Estate need to put out some feelers for, uh, say, we'll sponsor it or something like that so we can get up? Or, you know, we need to find a host bar for that run, I guess, so we can uh, do lot, live hot takes. Yeah, make it happen. Um, all right, so second set, Disco Diner, Blackout Blues, and then uh, Last Straw, Flatfoot Floozy. Um which I've seen, you know, those are, those are weird placement for both those songs. And it wasn't a Saturday night for a floozy mm-hmm. and a mid second set for a last straw. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was nice, but it just, it was seemed a little, uh, which is great. I, you know, I mean, we always, we complain about predictability and then we complain about it when they mix it up. So, <laughs> um, so I'll take it. It's just, it was different. Um, and then uh, mercy, uh, into drums and then, uh, out of drums, chainsaw city, four cornered room, Jack and then a red hot mama to close. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about four cornered room. Um, the, the Halloween, I'm pretty sure we played it. I know we played it. We played it before, our, yeah. 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 The, the 97 four cornered room, uh, which I mean, I don't, I can't think of another version of that song that I like more than that one. Um, uh, but I felt like this one never quite got like, off the like like out of the gate you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it, it just seemed a little slow i mean it is the song is what it is it's not exactly but it just seems like there were times when they would like that 97 show and i feel like there was some like 98 europe version and then you know it's just like with it it just it can they can rock it you know even if it's not start to finish there are moments where it builds and uh this never felt like it kind of got kind of got never felt like it really got going uh in this this one did did i miss anything with that i don't think so yeah sure yeah yeah, me me describing it put you to sleep so (laughs) no Um, no not at all your 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 description was both gripping and enthralling (laughs) so um and then out of four corner room jack which again that's sort of an, Mm -hmm. an odd placement for that song um but then closing out with uh, Red Hot Mama, which is nice, uh, nice, nice uh, period to that set. And then the encore, there is a time you wreck me, which is uh, that's a nice, that's a nice slow, fast two song mm-hmm. encore. Yeah, um, two two good covers. Good covers. Yeah. Um. All right, and then uh, we'll move into the final night. Unless you had something else to say about eleven one. Nope. Besides it being the the twenty. Third. Third. Jeez. I was going to say 21st, 23rd anniversary of the historic Majeska show. Um, this last night, November 2nd, the 23rd anniversary of the, the almost as historic, but not much, much less well-known Columbus, Ohio show. And um, 21st anniversary of the, the all-time great afterglow show, eleven two ninety eight 98 Macon. Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the eleven two two thousand was really good too. That was the uh, the Robbie Krieger show, right? Mm-hmm. And eleven two two thousand one is the show that I've bitched about a lot uh, in the past. Huh. So I won't do it again here. Let's leave that one. <laughs> leave that one alone. Um, okay, so night three they open up with uh, with Rumble, yeah. which uh, I love. I can't remember. Were you? Was that? Do we play that on this? Were you? I couldn't remember if that was the show I did with Ted or if that was a show I did with you. No, we've not played it. We okay. Well, I think Ted and I did. Yeah, you guys um, did because they did it at Red Rocks. Yes. And uh, God, I fucking love that song, man. Pretty it's good. so good. Such a great opener too. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole great. opening segment's great. Rumble going at West Greta climb to safeties. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah, the good starter. Good start to the show. Um, the one thing I, that I uh, noticed but didn't. Um, uh, isn't noted in uh, any of the the set lists was that at the beginning of Greta, Jojo did a Cabbage Alley sort of jam, the the Meters classic, um, mm-hmm. and it was you know it was pretty well. It wasn't like just a second or two. It was you know ten or twenty seconds, and uh, so I was kind of surprised that nobody noted that uh, in their set list. Maybe I was the only one that noticed it. Oh, um, maybe. should call ted right now on the, on the pod <laughs> ted i demand a a annotation to the set list on 11 to 19 there's a cabbage oh. alley tease before greta mm-hmm. um, that would be that might be going a little too far <laughs> Good call. Um, and then uh after that opening segment you had uh ann avis jr which uh, i will admit are two of my my lesser favorite panic songs um but as i've gotten older they've grown on me some uh they were just not my favorite like during the show but going Mm -hmm. back and listening to them i i do enjoy them Uh, i would agree that annie of us is much better experienced uh at home or while listening in your office and not at a concert Right. It's kind of a buzzkill at a show. I mean, it, all, it usually builds up, but it's just, it is a momentum killer sometimes. Can be, um, yeah. But this is a really nice version, really nice version of Junior, too. And then um, Makes Sense to Me, which had a little bit of a uh, I Trusted You tease by schools beforehand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of ended that little uh, run of songs. And then they closed out the first set with um, a. Uh, a guest appearance by Ivan Neville. And um, again, I mean, I feel like sometimes guest appearances are sort of just, I don't know. They're usually, they're usually really good. Occasionally they're just, they're like, meh. Um, I feel like all three of the ones that we got this past weekend were, you know, were intentional, you know, they Mm -hmm. were, um, they weren't just, Hey, have this guy out for the song. It was like, 
let's do some special stuff with this guy. And the stuff with Ivan Neville, I think, is just fantastic. It's among some of the best stuff of the whole run, I think. Mm-hmm. The monkey is excellent. Um, and and so is the gilded. I was telling a friend of mine when we were listening to it, I said, um, I feel like gilded is among like 10 songs that you can play for somebody to, to really give them a sense of what panic's like. And if they don't like it, then they shouldn't bother. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's like, it is really like gets to like a live version of, of gilded. It's like, if you can't get into that, then it's really probably not for you. <laughs> and, uh, and this is a great version of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed this whole, whole run at the end of the first set. Yeah, it was, it's good. I think you're right. The guests were all, I think this weekend I'll add it a little something. It's, you're right. Sometimes guests can fall a little, eh, but these were all pretty good. Um, do you want to play something? For, I think we should play the rumble going out West from, or portion thereof from the first sure. set.
All right, and then uh, after the first set, they come back after a set break, and uh, I, I will say, like this may be, maybe my probably my least favorite part of the whole run, the start of the second set. Mm-hmm. Radio Child Thoughts Sausage, not my not my favorite songs, and um, they were they were perfectly fine versions, but um, and and those are honestly pretty good placements for those songs, but um, but nothing. Uh, Nothing noteworthy, I didn't think. Um, and then after that, you had uh, the Ballad of John and Yoko, which um, I guess is like, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize it had been so long, 217 shows since its last mm-hmm. appearance. Um, and I feel like a, a majority of the times they've played that song, it has been like wood or acoustic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I seem sort of like that's where it normally uh, appears. So it's kind of cool to hear it as an electric version. Do you, are you a big fan of the song? Nah, take it or leave it. Yeah. Not like your top three Beatles songs. No. Year no. blues and Ballad of John and Yoko. <laughs> I like year blues a lot. Yeah. It's crunchy. Uh-huh. Um, so then uh, after that, they go to uh, honky red which um, I think you and I agree is probably our favorite song that's been on the last three albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a really good version of that. And then, uh, and then they drop into driving song. And um, so it was, I guess in the everyday companion, it's, it's driving song, jam, driving song, breathing slow. Um, apparently on the set list written for the band, it's just driving song unsplit. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure where the jam comes. If you listen, um, you can kind of hear after the, you know, where the, where the split comes, uh, Jojo is kind of playing that, um, that organ piece where they get a little bit spacey, like right before they go back into driving song. Mm-hmm. Um, but schools kind of drives the beat that goes into this, uh, to this jam, Panic Stream's got it as a uh, run like hell jam, which I guess I can buy. It's got that sort of theme. It's definitely not like straight up, but um, regardless, it is it is fierce. I mean, I was listening to this live with somebody else, and it was one of those things where you're like, you know, you're listening to the to the show in the background, but you're talking a little bit, and then like all of a sudden you realize that nobody said anything for like a minute or two and you're just completely <laughs> entranced by the music and just, then you look at each other and start laughing. Like that's where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, that was, that was probably my, my highlight of, of this second set.
breathing slow is really nice. I mean, again, getting back to like just um, well executed versions of these songs. Um, you know, the the impossible was was really nice. It, it has a it has a penchant sometimes to to get a little bloated, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and stretched out. But this one I felt was like it was pretty uh, concise. And then um, a nice uh, appearance from Vampire Blues, and uh, which is always good on a Halloween run. And then um, Pigeons, Papa's Home into Drums, back into Papa's Home, and then the Action Man Closer. And I, again, I'll go back to, uh, you know, Action Man is one of those songs that I'm sort of torn about uh i love like most people you know love that instrumental version right mm-hmm. when they first started playing it was a great instrumental and um and then you know lyrics came along and i i like the lyrics it's a it's a you know i mean i'm a horse you know i live live in the 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 cradle of of the the horse the thoroughbred industry and so like you know hearing a song about man of wars is pretty cool um but you know, I just felt like honestly, I felt like JB could never quite keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a song that's like just so high energy, and it's just—I don't know—I just felt like he could never quite keep up, especially live. Um, but for some reason, I felt like he—he he was in a pretty good. Again, it's almost like uh, recognizing your limitations and then like embracing the things that you can do. Right. And so it was almost like, if you got to miss, if you got to like skip a beat to make sure that you get the next one, then that's what you got to do. And, um, and I felt like that he really, he really did pretty well with this action, man. Uh, self-awareness is the key to key to success in life. Harvey. Oh, I never thought about that. (laughs) No, not necessarily, but it's one of them. I'll put it right up. I'll put it right up there. (laughs) Um, so all in all, I, I like the second set. Um, it was, um, yeah, I'd st- it was really well done and there's some good stuff. So I'll listen to that again for sure. Um, and then that'll bring us to the encore, which, um, you know, musically is probably the best encore of the run <laughs> performance wise. Maybe not. We mm-hmm. give it to Halloween night, but, um, uh, I feel like uh, basically frightened is always welcome. Um, is one of my my favorite. I mean, was it? I don't know. I mean, you're not like an ARU expert, right? I oh, mean, God, I felt no. like it wasn't necessarily like a um, marquee song for them, but uh, I always liked it. And but maybe it was because I think that was the title of the the Colonel Bruce. Uh, documentary so Mm -hmm. um but it's kind of lounge lounge acty Mm -hmm. um but i feel like it fits into jb's groove pretty well and uh you know it's always nice to have an original member of aru on the stage when you're playing an aru song Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it was funny though like i was listening to the uh to the audience tape today and right when they started it, you hear some dude yell, holy bleep. And then, Oh my God. And it was like, <laughs> I mean, I love the Colonel as much as anybody, but I don't know that basically frightened 
you know, qualifies for that response. No, probably not. Oh, that's pretty funny. But it was cool. Did you know that you can buy the cassette of the Colonel Bruce and Aquarium Rescue Unit uh, self-titled album for $80 new on Amazon.com? Wow. How about that? Which one is that? The is that the that's not the live, that's the live album, record, right? yeah. It is the one that uh, the JB intros everybody. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I probably checked. It was on Warner Brothers. It was a major label release. Man. I think I checked that um, out from the uh, Madison Public Library one summer when I was home in college. That uh, that's a great record. Mm-hmm. If anybody out there has never listened to it, um, if if nothing else, just to hear the uh, the intro that JB does. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to try to no, to recreate it because I'll just sound like it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll just sound like an idiot. Anyway, so the encore goes uh, basically frightened, and then Blue Indian, um, and then it closed down with a postcard. Which, uh, you know, kind of fitting. That was the first song the band ever played at Lakefront Arena. Uh, and then they closed down this run. Um, I mean, I hope it's not the last time they play in that venue, but I suppose <laughs> yeah. it's possible, you know. Um, it, it had been, what, six years before mm-hmm. since they had last played? So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be playing again in six years. Um, so, that was a nice finish. And, and again, well executed, you know, there weren't any missed spots. I didn't think at all. And then, um, after they, uh, finished that off and, and they've got now everyday companion has it, uh, as like a second encore. Now in my defense, this was Saturday night and it was, you know, close to one o'clock in the morning. And I had been having bourbon for the better part of the entire night. Um, but I don't remember there being a big break. No. I felt like they just kind of dropped right into I Trusted You after Postcard. But, yes. It's, I don't think um, it's worthy of a, the second encore. Second encore means okay. somebody leaves the stage. They leave the stage and they come back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to get a ruling from that, uh, from the Everyday Companion and, folks. Uh, but it was sweet. It was pretty fun. That's a great Yeah. Idea. And I mean, it is better than the first version, I think, just because, well... <laughs> No offense to Dwayne's bass playing skills, but I felt like Schools was driving this one with the bass line, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was that was really good. So I will definitely listen to that again. Yes, um, but so all in all, a uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good run for the old uh, for the old. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. They did, they did um, okay, the, those old guys. Yeah. I mean, so do you, I, you know, I had a back and forth with a friend of mine on uh, November, you know, like the morning after the Halloween show, mm-hmm. that he was kind of disappointed that they, they didn't, I mean, he didn't go or anything, but he was hoping that they would, you know, he's always looking for like the big classic rock bust out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, Roadhouse Blues or Free for All know. by Ted Nugent. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Terrapin or something. You know what I mean? Like oh God. something ridiculous. Uh, and and they didn't. You didn't really get any of that, right? I mean, there wasn't any. Like, there certainly wasn't any kind of like classic rock bust out. Um, I mean, I guess the closest was uh, Starman. Mm-hmm. You know, Man on the Moon, yeah. but. Um, 
but I don't think either of those were like, oh my gosh, kind of, you know, um, like you might have gotten in years past. But uh, And that's okay. It's totally okay. Yeah. And maybe it's even better. The world is a better place without more doors covers. <laughs> it's, it's 2019. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's okay to move past them. Um, they did the good ones, you know? Roadhouse Blues is the last one left, right? That's, that's pretty much it, I mean, right? Which is the one I think. I mean, I think that's probably the other one. They're all with free for all. That seemed like the one that I want, the song I wanted them to hear more than any other. Stranglehold would have been cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what they, they played their originals really well. They played old stuff. It was creative. Uh, I can't ask for much more. Yeah. And that's coming All from right. people that have always wanted, have wanted more for the last few years and now have just accepted it for what it is. <laughs> Um, so uh all right so that's what's on the horizon for the band they've got uh they got new year's run at the end of the year uh in atlanta um it is uh three nights at the fox Mm -hmm. and then um four nights in uh in mexico for uh, uh for panic in la playa would you ever go to one of those is that is that crazy no, i mean i think i would go i mean it's just, i think i would have a hard time convincing my better half to go put up with that for uh, a significant amount of time i mean even if i were in mexico maybe we could i mean it'd be like like a palatine you know we just go as a couple mm-hmm. just the two of us <laughs> share a room Palant- that'd be Palantine. weird <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean i think it would be fun um it's not cheap no. but i'm sure it'd be fun yeah um and so four nights in uh panic and playa and then uh and then the five night run at the beacon mm-hmm. that's what we've got announced so far so um i imagine we'll have some more stuff in the spring yeah three nights um, in louisville three nights in memphis uh a couple nights of palo solari um <laughs> i don't think that place is even standing <laughs> anymore um, all right well um thanks for for joining us we did a you know like i said it was a slightly different format i guess we had a little bit more to talk about this week uh, than we than we normally do but um let us know what you think about that and appreciate those of you who joined in on the uh on the live facebook um that was fun. Maybe we can do that again sometime, Jeff. What we do you could think? maybe do it, uh, do one on a, one of the New Year's runs or something. New Year's run shows. Maybe not New Year's Eve because I'll be so social. I just, you know, I'll be out. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, like, about. What exactly are you going to be doing on I New can, Year's uh, Eve? Chime, so chime in from uh, the, the family party we usually go to and I can just have a bunch of kids screaming in the, uh, in the, uh, in the phone or in the uh, computer. But, uh, but yeah, we'll do something. We'll come back. Let's clear the feed. And you're out of the you're out of the closet tonight, right? <laughs> I Sounds am. I'm in different. the uh, I'm in the actual uh, family room tonight. That's yep, exciting. Yep. It's a, the wife let Jen let you oh, out. She tonight. had a movie to go to, you know. So the baby's. Uh, so you, she she left you with both kids. Yeah, but the, we got the baby on oh. a new sleep schedule, and uh, and that seems to be knock on wood working. 
Yeah, well, I can't take credit for it. It was uh, the babysitter we had on Friday night that started it. And it was like, I tried this and it worked. Wow. And so the babysitter was more run our child than us. So, yeah, I'm not complaining. Um, we did. Uh, so, you know, as we record this, the uh, daylight savings time change was, was yesterday. So Sunday morning. And um, we went over to a friend's house for dinner, like pretty early, like five-ish on Sunday and we got done, you know, and it's getting dark, you know, it's like 540 and it's getting dark. And I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, bedtime is normally like 730 mm-hmm. to eight and, um, you know, it's 615, but it's like 715 mm-hmm. to them. And I was like, why don't we go home and put them to sleep? <laughs> and so we they were literally asleep at like seven oh five last man. night. It was amazing. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna get we we'll get one night of doing that because after that they'll be back on a different schedule. But you might as well take it yeah. while you can. So that was good. Well, nice, nicely played, Dad. Good job. Yeah, every once in a while we get a win. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, again, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, check out, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, check out uh, OsirisPod.com. The uh, the uh, this big Cypress podcast that's coming up, and then the events they're having in New York City. Uh, a lot of cool things happening in the Osiris world, and uh, we're happy to be one little part of it. And uh, so, until next time, we uh, will uh, we'll see everybody uh, on your in your podcast uh, app of choice because that's where we'll be. And um, we'll let you guys go with uh, the, I guess, original version uh, from from Mr. Andy Kaufman. I trusted you and you. It's an honor to welcome to the stage of the Midnight Special, the gifted Andy Kaufman.
to do, just to do, what just to do. Had just to do, 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 just to do, had just to do, Frito-Lay um, cheese fix, uh, munchies. Okay. It's a, a mixture of uh, nacho cheese Doritos, a Harvest Cheddar Sun Chips, mm-hmm. Cheetos, and mm-hmm. rolled gold pretzels. Yep. I've, uh, I've had that. It's pretty solid. It, yeah, it's really good. It's pretty we solid. Bought a big, they have them at uh, Costco, like in the Super Party bag size yeah. mm-hmm. and we brought a bag of that to 48 48 and it was just clutch all weekend because <laughs> <laughs> it serves multi-purpose i mean mm-hmm. it can be a, a really solid snack you know like between meal but it can also go with a sandwich yep. you know it's, it's a good it's lunch a- side it's a good lunch side it's an in-between meal snack and it's good for uh late, late night. night late night consumption yep, yep. yeah totally multi-purpose. good job frito-lay yep Nailed it. Just throw it all in one bag and you're good. <laughs> the, people, the people are like all this shit. Just throw it all in, in together. Well, not so much pretzels. Yeah, they won't care though because there'll be cheese on them. Right. No, actually the pretzels are key because if it yeah. was just all the cheese, eh, it's almost too much. You need a little bit of a cut. You know, you need to cut it a little bit. That's what the pretzel's for. Yeah. Pretzels are, um, pretzels and co- pretzels and Coke Zero are pretty much my two favorite things to consume right now. So. Um, I wonder if they, do you think they spent time? I mean, I'm sure they did like testing with a proper ratio. <laughs> do or do you think, think it's just like. Do you like, think there's you, an actual ratio? Do you, you don't think it's just a dump? You think oh, there's no, actual, there has to be a ratio. I mean, hmm. what do you, they're a multi-cajillion dollar industry, like business. That's true. Good, they're, good point. They're, they're not just like, ah, they're whatever. But I mean, there's either a financial decision of like, you know, this stuff costs this much and it weighs this much and that's how much a bag will be. Yeah. Or they actually had a taste test and like a guy was like, oh, no, that's too many Cheetos, back it off a little it's bit. It's fine where the pretzels are. Part. I mean, I think that you could say the pretzels are in there to like cut the amount of cheese, cheesy goodness. But I also think they're there partially as a filler too, because they're probably the cheapest of the three. Right. Although I'm sure Cheetos are pretty cheap because that's just like yeah, puffed corn. But anyway. Wow, who knew? Who knew?
It's the greatest gentlemen's, greatest organization of gentlemen. Counting Butu on the percussion. Mr. Chuck Lavelle on the keyboard. O'Teal from Egypt. Truth. Jimmy Herring on guitar. A barbecue, too. 